Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. It's time to play like a jet. With your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen. Human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately. He's got the handoff. You know who that's? The Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And I am happy to welcome back one of my favorite guests. He comes on every year, usually a couple times a year before the draft, after the draft, sometimes during the season if he makes a great video that involves the Jets. I think he's one of the absolute best football-related content creators out there. If you're not subscribed to his YouTube channel, The Film Room, you absolutely should be. And if you're not listening to his podcast, the Bootleg Football Podcast with his friend EJ Snyder. You should be doing that too. They are both fantastic at breaking down football. And on Brett's YouTube channel, I've said this, I don't think there's anyone better in terms of combining football knowledge and great quality production. So I'm really glad to have Brett Coleman back on the show. Brett, thanks so much for coming on, man. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me for our uh, seemingly annual <laughs> post-draft uh, victory parade at this point. I don't know about victory parade. Let's see some wins on the field first. <laughs> Got to do it on the field before we start to celebrate. But the early returns look nice, and I wanted to pick your brain about what the Jets did here. Also, by the way, we got to have you on more during the season because you make great videos, and I know sometimes it's Jets-related content. So we got to get you back on during the season too. But let's talk about what the Jets did in the draft. Sauce Gardner at number four. Some people said corner wasn't that big of a need for the Jets. Some people said corner's not a valuable enough position to take it number four, particularly with the defense that the Jets run. Some people said Sauce Gardner is a player that maybe got pushed up because this was a bad draft. 
I think Sauce Gardner is awesome. I think he would have been a top 5, 10 pick in any draft, and I love the pick. I think he's going to be a fantastic corner. Do you agree with me on this, Brett? Yeah, because when you look at Sauce's skill set, you know, obviously everybody looks, oh, he's a press man corner, you know, press bail, all that kind of stuff in the mold of Richard Sherman, which I would agree with. He is kind of in the mold of Richard Sherman, um, but he's faster than Richard. His hips are better than Richard. Like in terms of like athletic talent, he does a lot of what Richard does, but smoother and quicker. Now, I'm not saying he will be Richard because Richard's a Hall of Fame corner, one of the best DBs of the generation, insane instincts, you know, technical refinement, all that kind of stuff. Like it's going to take a while to get to that point. But in terms of coming out as a prospect, I think that he is he is definitely on track to be that level of corner. Now, in terms of the argument of uh, Jets don't need a corner, this is a system that doesn't uh, you know, require good corners. There's no defense on planet Earth that doesn't require good corners. That is a myth. I don't care if you're running zone 100% of the time. There's still a lot of zone looks where, you know, half the field might be locked in man coverage anyway. Like mm-hmm. you look at pretty much any single, you know, match quarters defense ever. If you're going against three by one, guess what? The backside corner is going to be locked in man so they can get five over three on the other side. So that's going to be Sauce's job. Like even when Cincy ran quarters and they were in zone, and you got Kobe Brown on the other side in zone. Sauce was still in man on the backside because they want to be able to commit more resources, i.e. their safeties, to the strong side of the formation. So it doesn't really matter what you're running, whether it's man or zone. Um, you know, as, we, as we've talked about in the past, everything becomes man covered at some point. So having a guy that is sticky and physical and has ball skills like Sauce kind of can't go wrong. Now, I will say he was my number two corner in the draft. Sting was my number one, but the gap was not – really a gap and they both ended up going to the top four anyway probably where they should have gone so i have zero problems with that pick and to your point brett richard sherman himself said that sauce reminds him of a young version of himself says that sauce is much further along though thinks that he's already where sherman was in year two or year three so he thinks sauce could even be better than he was as a player as you said that's a tall task I'm not saying it's going to happen. Richard Sherman, one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time. We can only cross our fingers. The other two first-round picks, Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson. Garrett Wilson goes number 10. The Jets actually considered him at number four because they were afraid he wouldn't get to number 10, but he was their wide receiver that they wanted the entire time. And Jermaine Johnson, they loved him. They would have taken him if Garrett Wilson was off the board at 10. Instead, somehow Johnson slides down to the end of the first round. The Jets jump up and grab him. I wanted the Jets to come out of the first round with a pass rusher, a cornerback, and a wide receiver. But I thought the way to do it was you get Sauce at four, Jermaine Johnson at 10, and then trade back into the first round to get one of the receivers, which I wouldn't have thought would be Wilson because I figured he'd be long gone by the time you'd be trading up into the back end of the first round. Instead, the Jets went a different route. They took Wilson at 10 and traded up and got Jermaine Johnson. So they really got all the positions that Jets fans primarily wanted anyway, and they got three of the best players at the positions. Talk to me a little bit about this. Do you think this is as much of a home run as so many of us do? Yeah, I mean, they got three of their highest graded players in the entire draft. 
all in the first round, all going to get fifth year options. So they got five years, potentially six years of contract control uh, for at least one of them, depending on how they want to allocate the franchise tag, if it ever comes to that. But hey, that's six years down the line. So we'll worry about that later. But just getting three of their top I believe it's three of their top 10 graded players in this whole class. Remember, Jermaine Johnson was legitimately in consideration, not just at 10, but at four. Their decision was coming down to Jermaine Johnson and Sauce um, because they wanted to go defense first. So Jermaine Johnson was in consideration um, at four. They went with Sauce because they felt like Edge was deeper so that if they had to lose out on one of them, they felt like they could lose out on Jermaine Johnson. They wanted to get Wilson some help uh, in the top 10. So they wanted to beat the receiver run that they expected, which ultimately did happen. So they kind of got out in front of that a little bit, got him a weapon. And then Jermaine Johnson just kept falling and falling and falling. And, you know, as receivers kept going off the board and, you know, offensive linemen were going off the board, it just kind of pushed down the edge rushers. And so they saw an opportunity to go up and get them and they went up and got them. Now, in terms of my personal grades, I did have Arnold Ebikiti graded higher than Jermaine Johnson, but I still thought Jermaine Johnson was going to go in the first round. So it's not like it was a, a bad value for him at all. You know, I just, I, I expected Ebikiti to go much earlier than he did. In fact, I actually had Ebikiti mocked to the Jets at 10 overall in my mock draft. So, um, Again, was it the exact player I would have taken? No, but I also think that Jermaine Johnson was a good value in the back half of the first round. So I think it's a, I think there's a way that, you know, both of those thoughts can coexist. In terms of how the roster is being shaped by these first round picks, the wide receiver market is exploding. So getting a potential number one that's going to be dirt cheap for half a decade is immensely valuable especially for Zach Wilson's development and your ability to retain talent around him. Um, The corner market is very expensive. Having a starter for at least five cheap years is very valuable. But also, I think looking at how Jermaine Johnson fits into the edge rotation, the one, I don't want to say problem, the one question we had for the defensive line, which was a strength of this team, was edge depth. When Carl went down last year, they didn't really have a whole lot. And so, you know, you're having to play uh, John Franklin Myers out at defensive end because they just needed somebody who could do it. You know, now they've really invested a lot of resources into improving the edge depth so that John Franklin Myers can stay inside and pass rush as a three technique instead of pass rushing as a, as a down defensive end as like a six technique. So having, you know, Jermaine Johnson, John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams, um, You know, you got Jacob Martin, who I think is an underrated, you know, edge depth guy who's going to come in for like 20 snaps, fire and wrench zone. Having all of these guys together so that they can do what Salah wanted all along, which is everybody only playing like a maximum of 60% of the snaps. So they have, uh, you know, fresh guys every single play. For once, they actually have the depth to do what Salah wants to do on the defensive line. So overall, looking at this first round class, great corner great receiver that you're going to have for cheap for a long time. And, you know, the, the best edge rush rotation the Jets have had uh, <laughs> for literally as long as I can remember. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, 
What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad... To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. The Jets had Brees Hall as the number 18 rated player on their board. They tried to trade up to the back of the first round to get him, presumably not only to jump the teams ahead of them, but also to get that fifth-year option on Brees Hall. Instead, they end up jumping your team, I'm sorry, Brett, the Texans, to go get Brees Hall. And so now Brees Hall becomes that feature back, the big guy next to Michael Carter in that backfield. I've been talking about this a lot. I think Brees Hall could do so much for the development of Zach Wilson The Seattle formula is what I'm looking at here with Marshawn Lynch and Russell Wilson. Wilson was a game manager who could make plays, didn't have the weight of the world on him. He was able to develop and eventually become one of the best quarterbacks of all time. I'm not trying to say that Zach Wilson is going to be Russell Wilson, but that formula I thought was perfect. And the Jets built up that old line, so now you have the ability to run a running back behind that and really wear out the opposing defense, keep the opposing offense off of the field. I know that some people thought, wait till day three, get one of these other running backs. But I think when you look at the value, right, and people will talk about how running backs aren't as valuable these days, you're talking about getting the best running backs right in that range generally, right? Because Jonathan Taylor was a second-round pick. Derrick Henry was a second-round pick. Javante Williams was a second-round pick, and we could go down the line. Brett, am I making sense here? Or am I just lost in my own delusions? Or was this a really good pick for the Jets? And can Brees Hall do a lot for that offense? It was a really good pick for the Jets. Um, it, maybe for a different reason than people think. You know, I know that uh, analytics are saying, okay, running back, not a super valuable position, very replaceable. I totally get that. Um, and I also see the other side of the argument where people are like, hey, you know, like with Seattle, if you can get a running back that can do 20 plus carries a game um, and just kind of churn out yards and always have manageable down and distances for the quarterback, that's also extremely valuable for a young quarterback. And I get that as well. I think what both sides of that argument don't understand is that even Marshawn Lynch in his prime, like 2012 to 2014 with the Seahawks, 
even he never averaged 20 carries a game in that era, like never. And there's no running back in the NFL last year that averaged 20 carries a game. The closest was Jonathan Taylor at about 19 and a half, mm. which is about the most that Marshawn Lynch ever had at 19 and a half in 2012. And so it's less about having a running back that can do 20 carries a game or more, which again, doesn't happen. Not this year, not 10 years ago. It's about, okay, if we can get a running back that is 15 carries a game, 16, maybe 17, you know, towards the end of Marshawn's prime in Seattle, he was 17 carries a game. And that's when they went back to the Super Bowl again. If you can get a guy that has that many carries, but is explosive enough to do something with them and, you know, have these breakaway runs, you know, break tackles, turn them into touchdowns in the red zone. It's not necessarily about, can we get a running back that has 20 plus carries? It's, can we get a running back that can, break a run within the first 15 of them to give us an explosive play because offense is all about explosive plays. It doesn't matter if it's come comes from, you know, the air or the ground explosive plays are explosive plays, chunk yards are chunk yards. And so, you know, you have a guy like Michael Carter, who I don't think anybody ever expected him to be a 15 to 20 touch guy a game, not, a, not at his frame. And so you get Brees Hall in there. Who's a little bit bigger who, you know, you can have the lead back role and the lead back role these days is 15 carries. Michael Carter gets, you know, maybe eight to 11. And then, you know, you have a number three who comes in and all of a sudden you're, you're still running the ball 30 plus times a game. It's just more spread out, but you have three backs on the roster who can take any one of those quote unquote small number of carries and still get a 20 yard gain or a 30 yard gain or in Brees's case is an 80 yard gain every now and then because he runs four, three. So I think that's the the analytical approach to taking a running back at the top of the second round is it's not about getting a bell cow. It's about getting a guy that can give you explosive plays on relatively few carries. Jonathan Taylor, super explosive, 4-3 speed. Uh, Nick Chubb, very explosive, 4-4 speed. Derrick Henry, when he's up to speed, he might be the fastest dude in the league other than Tyreek Hill or Jalen Waddle. So it's these guys where – all they need is one, and they can break open the game. That's why you take that type of running back in the top of the second round is so that Zach Wilson doesn't have to be the only one getting 40-yard gains. You can get it on the ground, too. Jeremy Ruckert was picked in the third round. After they traded down, they flipped third-round picks. And then they got Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle from Louisiana, and Michael Clemens, who's older and has had some off-the-field issues, but there's some real potential there. What do you think of those guys that the Jets picked after the initial onslaught with the first four? The Michael Clemens pick actually took me by surprise because I just didn't think he was going to be there where he was. Um, you know, he was one of my favorite edge prospects in this class in terms of his archetype you know, a bigger guy, uh, definitely like a, a down defensive end in like four three. You want to put him at six tech over a tight end where he can dominate him against the run. But he's also, I think, a very refined pass rusher. He's got some of the best hands in this class as a pass rusher. I really don't know why he was there in the fourth round because somebody with his frame, and even though he's not like a freak athlete, he's still a really good athlete, in addition to being pretty refined in his hands, um, that's not normally the type of prospect that is there all the way in round four. Now, maybe it's because it is a very deep edge class. He got pushed down a little bit, just like Jermaine Johnson got pushed down. But to me, that's just a value pick. I don't think that they even expected him to be there. He just was there. So they decided to take him just because they could. Um, 
Now, as for Rucker, I'm really excited to see where he kind of fits in because, you know, starting tight end was not a need. They, they picked up C.J. Ozama, who's a very solid starting tight end. You still got Tyler Conklin there. Like, at most, they were going to be looking for a guy that was going to compete for the TE2 spot. And I think that tight end two, you know, whether you want to use him as like a move or a big slot, like that's the kind of role that I think Jeremy Rucker fits best. You know, having the other other tight end that you can bring on the field, get him in motion, you know, match up on these smaller DBs. He's going to be really good at boxing him out. Um, his movement skills are really good. You know, again, another one of these guys where he might only get three catches a game, but they all go for first downs. That was a very solid pick. Uh, I just have no complaints with anything this team did. Like they, they nailed every single pick and then some. Brett, I want to get your grades on each of these picks and then the draft class as a whole, though I have a feeling based on what you were just saying that the marks are going to be pretty high. I have some comparisons too that I wanted to run by you. And obviously there's no such thing as a perfect player comp. And we're not trying to say that each player that we compare to another one is exactly like the other player. Because you'll have, oh, that receiver's two inches taller than the other receiver. This guy weighs 15 pounds more. I get it. These aren't perfect. But I thought that stylistically they make a lot of sense. And I'm going to credit the people who made the comparisons too. Sauce Gardner, Richard Sherman. That was a comparison made by Richard Sherman himself. Garrett Wilson, T.Y. Mm -hmm. Hilton. That's a comparison made by our own Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, who does all the film on our YouTube mm -hmm. channel. Jermaine Johnson. This is courtesy of C.J. Wilson, who hosts the Unconquered Talk podcast covering Florida State football. He compared Jermaine Johnson to Peter Bolwer. Brees Hall. This one is courtesy of Mike Renner of PFF. I love it. And actually, it's funny because... When going out and recruiting Brees Hall, the recruiter who watched his tape compared him to this player, and that is Kareem Hunt, who came out of Toledo and I think has been a terrific running back in the NFL when healthy. And Jeremy Rucker, Dalton Schultz, I think a guy who's known more for his blocking but has a lot of potential as a receiver. So what do you think of those comparisons, and how would you grade each of these picks in the draft as a whole? Those are interesting comps. Um I hadn't really considered T.Y. Hilton for, for Garrett Wilson. Um, I can see it. It's it's definitely not one that I, I even came to. I, I, I saw a lot more Keenan Allen in him. Obviously a different frame, but in terms of like skill set mm. and movement ability, like lateral agility, all that kind of stuff, I saw a lot of Keenan Allen. But I, and if we're just talking like frame, you know, deep ball tracking ability, all that kind of stuff, I could totally see T.Y. Hilton um in terms of jermaine johnson lance Zerline had a comp that i really like for him which was max crosby mm. and i thought that was like perfect like again uh you know wins a lot with effort right now and sometimes can get a little bit over reliant on a spin move but i think he has the tools the length the power you know the hip fluidity all that kind of stuff where he can eventually be a max crosby type pass rusher so i love that comp for him and then um uh, did you guys have a comp for Max Mitchell? I'm curious who you guys thought he was. No, I didn't. If you have one, I'd love to hear it. You know, he's tough because he actually does something that very few tackles do, which is play right and left, not just in the same game, but sometimes within the same drive. And he has a very rare skill set where he can switch back and forth almost at will. 90% of tackles can't do that. So I think, um, that was actually kind of the, the most interesting pick they made, in my opinion, 
because I still don't know what's going to happen with Makai Becton. Like we're hearing, okay, Fant's going to be left tackle. Makai's going to be right. And some people are saying, no, Makai's going to be left and Fant's going to be right. And I don't think that even the Jets staff fully knows yet. And so they just took a guy that can play both and just fill in wherever he needs to fill in. And we'll, and they'll just kind of figure it out in camp. Um, but the the Max Mitchell pick, I think, was super fascinating because I think it's just giving them options. What would you give the draft class as a whole in each of the individual picks? Did you have a general range of how you would grade these? It's tough to do grades for me because you never really know. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of just the information that we have available, which is tape and testing, it's hard not to give an A to every single pick. Like I loved every single pick and I, I, I can see the justification for every single pick. I see the scheme fit. Um, as far as I know, none of them have any, you know, medical or off the field issues that should be concerning, which again is, is part of the reason why it's tough to grade picks because of that third, third of the process that I don't know, but you know, based on available information, Hard not to give an A to everything. Anything you'd have done differently? Uh, probably Ebikiti over uh, Jermaine Johnson. That would have you know, made it A-plus territory for me. Uh, but I also understand that I'm a lot higher on Ebikiti than most people. So uh, I guess we'll find out who was right on that one in a couple of years. Brett, any particular winners or losers or any players that went higher than you expected or lower than you expected? In terms of higher than expected, I would say Jahan Dotson went a little bit higher than I thought he would uh, relative to some of the other receivers that were on the board. Like if Washington was going to go receiver, I didn't I didn't expect it to be Jahan Dotson there. I understand the specific fit they were going for is like a high end number two to Terry McLaurin because Jahan Dotson, like we're talking about, uh, you know, T.Y. Hilton cops, Jahan Dotson, I think, profiles that. Uh, pretty well in terms of like the the undersized speed easy receiver where you want to put him in the slot you can as long as you don't want him to block but he's like a high-end number two for me um i had him graded lower than george pickens and christian watson who both went in the second round for various reasons um but in terms of just tape grade he was like wide receiver eight for me somewhere around there uh, in terms of guys that went lower than I expected, I definitely thought Arnold Ebikiti was going to be a day one pick. And I also thought Zach Pascal was going to be a day one pick, the edge out of Kentucky. Um, oh, and Zach Tom went like the fourth round, which was also something that um, I was a little bit perplexed by because like Ike McQuanu went at sixth overall and he struggled hard with Jermaine Johnson, whereas Zach Tom completely shut down Jermaine Johnson. So I thought Zach Tom's tape was better than a fourth round pick. But other than that, I mean, there's not really any picks that stand out to me as like egregiously bad or anything like that. It was, it was a pretty good solid draft class overall quarterback, not included. Um, And so it was kind of hard to mess it up, to be honest. Brett Coleman, host of the bootleg football podcast with EJ Snyder. And of course, He creates great content on his YouTube channel, The Film Room. Thank you so much for coming on. As always, really appreciate it. We got to talk again soon. It was way too long between appearances on the show. For those that want to watch everything that's on your YouTube channel, including some breakdowns of the different positions before the draft so they can go back and watch what you did there and listen to what you're doing with EJ, follow you on social media. How can they do all of that? 
Yeah, so uh, on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff, I'm over at Brett Coleman, uh, K-O-L-L-M-A-N-N. Um, and you you can find me, you know, my work going back, oh God, what is it, six years at this point, something like that. Um, I, like to, I like to think that my videos have gotten a lot better over the course of that time. Uh, some of the takes, maybe not, but at least the production quality has gotten better. So uh, I'll, I'm kind of jumping into to doing off-season content now. I'm working on a Cole Strange video so that Patriots fans stop freaking out. Um, and then eventually I'll probably I'll do some sort of Jets content over summer. Not entirely sure what yet, but it'll be some. Well, looking forward to when you do because then we'll have to have you back on. Anytime there's an excuse for me to drag you back on the podcast, I'm a happy guy. So make sure that you watch all of Brett's videos, subscribe to his YouTube channel, listen to him and EJ, subscribe to their podcast as well, and check out everything we're doing at playlikeajet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under, Luke Grant, has got some great all-22 breakdowns of the Jets draft picks. So watch those and subscribe to our channel if you haven't already. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's T-E public.com we've got the john franklin myers quinn and williams bless you thank you shirt the zach says go long shirt the zach the ripper shirt the play like a jet logo shirt caps mugs hoodies it's all there tpublic.com that's tepublic.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on itunes if you haven't done that already easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing it doesn't take you much time doesn't cost you any money but it goes a long way to help us out so if you could go ahead and do that for us be quite grateful and for the latest and greatest in new york jets podcasts and content you know where to go that's play like a jet digital and play like a jet.com anatomy of an ad subconsciously trigger emotions through music perfect Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad. To learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. Creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai. Anatomy of an ad. Subconsciously trigger emotions through music. Perfect. Define an opportunity. Imagine talking to millions of people across the U.S. like I am now. Identify a problem. 
creating an audio ad is time-consuming. Offer a solution. Utilize cutting-edge AI. Imagine creating all that in under 30 seconds. Well, we did. To create this ad, to learn more about AI in the audio industry, download the white paper from audiostack.ai.